coming up on Inside the NRL. Operation Relocation. We tell you everything you need to know as the NRL heads to southeast Queensland to save the season. Blues legend and rugby league author Andrew Johns joins us as we preview State of Origin 3 and Mitch Moses counts down to his debut. Plus, Paul Green hits back at critics questioning Queensland's culture. When we get results that we've gotten so far, you, you leave yourself open. And was Sam Walker arrogant or smart for fleeing the scene on Saturday night? Yes, there's plenty going on in the world of rugby league right now. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. I'm Zach Bailey, joined by Jamie Soward and Michael Chamis. So much to get through. Uh, to all of our viewers at home, thank you for joining us. As the game undertakes its biggest logistical, uh, I guess, exercise ever in the history of the game. The unfolding COVID-19 situation in Sydney has forced the game to relocate 12 teams to southeast Queensland in order to save the 2021 season. This is everything you need to know. All New South Wales and ACT-based teams will relocate to southeast Queensland. By Wednesday, teams will be playing matches out of Suncorp Stadium, Seabus Super Stadium and Sunshine Coast Stadium. The Broncos, Titans, Cowboys and Storm will continue to play games out of their current home grounds. Every club is allowed to have a maximum of 41 players and staff while in Queensland. This will be the case for at least the next four weeks. Now, there are unfolding details, or there have been over the past 24 hours since this has been announced. Michael, uh, you've had all the details across the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Headmaster, what's the, what's the latest in terms of the, um, the hubs? Yeah, so the teams are all planning to go by Wednesday, and they've been split up into the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, and into Brisbane, and we'll see where the teams are all going. The Sunshine Coast, the Panthers are heading there with the Knights, Seagulls, and the Roosters. That's at the Novotel Twin Waters where the Melbourne Storm stayed there alongside three AFL teams last year and had great success in winning the competition. The Gold Coast, the majority of, well, five teams, the most of any of the groups there with the Dogs, Eels, Rabbitohs, Raiders and Warriors. All in the Gold Coast, the Mercure Carrara and then Brisbane will host the Dragons, Sharks, Tigers at the Novotel in South Bank. So, the, that's the split. We'll be interested to see how they all get along over the course of at least the next month, uh, Zach. All right, from those uh, hubs, is there any advantage to a particular hub, Gold Coast, Brisbane or the Sunny Coast? Oh, look, from looking at that, speaking to people yesterday, the, the one they wanted was the Sunshine Coast. That was probably the facility there that probably more conducive to high performance. You're on a resort, you can relax, and as we know, the families hopefully are going to be going up as well so they can enjoy their time up there and, and, and wind down as well away from football. Brisbane, you're in a hotel in the city at South Bank there. It may, you know, what you can and can't do outside the hotel may be restricted. Hopefully, though, once the 14-day quarantine period is over, the players will be able to roam freely if there are no cases uh, in Queensland during that period. It's a fair, big measure that the game's undertaking. Yeah, it is, but the players are still getting paid. You know, full freight to, to do their job. I understand that there's some adversity, but there's a lot of people out there doing it a lot worse. You know, small small business owners and alike. But you have a look at that. If you're if you've when COVID struck last year, I came out and said that the teams with the strongest culture were going to be successful. That was Melbourne, Penrith, 
the Roosters, you know, they all went deep into the competition. It's going to be the exact same for the next four weeks. You have a look at those hubs again and you think about Penrith, the where they are at the moment, nothing's going to derail them trying to get back to a grand final. Melbourne have been doing it, so they're going to be fine. The Roosters, South, you know, they're they're built for this because they've got leaders there, they've got a strong culture. Some of the other clubs, whether they're, you know, once the season starts to dwindle away, what's that going to look like over the next four weeks? And some of their fate's already decided, so hopefully they're on their best behaviour. All right, NRL CEO Andrew Abdo addressed the media earlier today talking about moving the NRL to southeast Queensland for at least the next month. This will be definitely our biggest uh, logistical operation and challenge that the game has faced. The spirit of cooperation and the positive attitude to doing something enormous as this um, was really there for everyone to see. And I think everyone is 100% committed to making this work. There is a possibility that the remainder of the season uh, is played like we are at the moment, but we are hopeful that it's at the end of the four-week period, we might be able to transition back to New South Wales and, and ACT. It's, it's, it is somewhat linked to, obviously, the infection rate. It's also linked to restrictions, um, and it's also linked to exemptions that we might be able to obtain from other state governments too. So we are currently working with the 12 clubs on which direct family members would like to opt in to go. We're working concurrently with the Queensland government on how the exemption and the quarantining process will work. Um, we want to fast track that if possible. We want to get families up in Queensland at the hotels as soon as possible. There's a huge challenge ahead of us and uh, we will certainly want to play our part in making sure that we get as many people vaccinated as possible. And that includes obviously our players, but um, that ne those conversations need to happen uh, at, at a federal government level. And uh, we certainly are not going to um, you know, be putting or asking to be put ahead of the queue. Um, there's a there's a plan in place, and you know we want to we want to proactively and positively be part of that plan of getting our country vaccinated. That was NRL CEO Andrew Abdo. Michael, eight regular season rounds remaining, four weeks of finals. Realistically, do we fear or do we feel as if the rest of the competition will be in Queensland? I've spoken to a lot of clubs today and yesterday in regards to what they're planning for. They're all planning for not coming back to Sydney. They are planning, especially the top teams, this is a three-month adventure that they're heading out on now and they don't plan on coming back. They're assuming the grand final will be played interstate, Brisbane, Melbourne, wherever it may be. So that's, that's your indication of where they're at. Now, realistically, the NRL said this is at least a month. They're breaking this down into 30-day little sections. The first 30 days we know is going to be there. The next 30 days will be dependent on the infection rate in New South Wales. Now, the hint to the clubs is unless there's seven days without a community transmission in New South Wales, it's very unlikely they're going to return because the impact of coming back to Sydney prematurely and then having to go again, it just causes an absolute nightmare for the NRL. So you'd imagine they won't be coming back unless there's zero for an extended period of time. And look, if I was a betting man, I'd suggest the grand final will be away from Sydney for the first time. All right, so hundreds of NRL players will be making their way to southeast Queensland over the next couple of days. One of them is Mitchell Pearce. It's a stressful time. Um, you know, we can look at all the negatives around it um, and that obviously is going to get a lot of people down or you can look at the, the positives for us as footballers. And I know a lot of the boys are talking like that this morning coming through the doors that, you know, we're getting paid good money. We've got a job to do. It's only going to be a short stint in the scheme of our lives. I'm sure a lot of the partners will understand and whether they can come up or not, 
Uh, there's talk that the partners and kids can come and be a part of it all with us, which is obviously awesome news for them if they're, they're open to that. But um, I know that, like I said before, as a Newcastle club, we're all focused on this back end of the year and doing the job for the town and us to get what we want. Yeah, so there are plans to get uh, staffs, families up there, players, families up there, Sowie. But how big an impact will it be for them? Because if they do get up there, they might still have to quarantine in another hotel for two weeks. Yeah, well, it's going to be, I think it's already been an impact with the players or husbands and fathers having to leave. But like Mitchell just said, you know, the players walked in this morning realising they're still getting paid fully and it's only a short stint in the, in the amount of their life. So the players, partners, probably... I mean, this might come out wrong, but you sort of understand what you get when you marry a football player and you realise you're going to be away from home and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, like I said, they'll be OK. Everyone will be all right. We just need to get through this little period. Michael, do we know of any players already or do we feel as if over the next couple of days there might be some players that come out and say they're not going to go? Well, I think there's a few circumstances with personal issues. I think Aaron Wood spoke yesterday after the game that he's having a baby in the next few days. So there's some situations there with different players. Now, whether he goes straight away, does he stay back here with his wife or does he decide to, to go after her? and then you have to work out does he get an exemption to go straight back into the bubble or does he have 14 days in quarantine where he can't train and play so these are all questions I imagine there's more than just one situation the NRI has to go through at the moment and uh, it's going to be it's going to be complex there's going to be stuff ups along the way because it, it, you're not going to get everything right when you've got so much to plan in such a short period of time so everyone's got to be understanding of the situation and this is not ideal but as as they said they still have a job they are getting away from, well, uh, potentially after 14 days, they may be free to roam around Queensland where the rest of New South Wales may be locked down for a long period of time. So they need to take the positives out of that and I'm sure they will. As you said, each case is individualised and for all the Origin players that are already up in Kingscliff, a lot of their cases will be a case-by-case basis with the Queensland Government. Anyway, Sean Johnson is a proud uh, New Zealander, Kiwi. Here's what he had to say on uh, Twitter yesterday afternoon once he found out the news that the game would be locating to Queensland. He said players and staff are already in a bubble. Why can't we relocate to New Zealand? Reward the Warriors for their sacrifice. New Zealand would love it. I think I'm onto something here. So, Michael, was there any consideration at all in taking the competition to New Zealand? And what does this mean for... Will, will we see games later in the year in New Zealand? Oh, look, I love where Sean Johnson's head's, head's at. It's a great idea. Realistically, it just can't happen because the NRL's already taking a massive... It's going to cost them a lot of money. I think it's $13 million a month that they're going to, this is going to cost. To go to New Zealand, it's not so much the money, it's the risk of what if there is an outbreak in New Zealand. We've got 16 teams over there, majority of whom live in Australia. And if there's an outbreak in New Zealand and the Australian government closed the borders and you've got players stuck there for an extended period of time, it just was going to cause a nightmare for the NRL. So Queensland was the most realistic option. You've got two teams already in South East Queensland, North Queensland up in Townsville, and Melbourne are no strangers to Queensland having won a comp being based in Sunshine Coast. So... It made the most sense. It was the most cost-efficient. It's the way they went. So over the next couple of weeks, there are going to be some teams that fall out of finals <laughs> contention. So if they're away from home, some of them will be away from their families, no doubt. How hard will it be for them to keep their head in the game, mind on the job? Not hard at all, because every time you go out, you're reapplying for your job, regardless of if you're on a long contract or not. And I hope those guys understand how lucky they are uh, going into a bubble up in Queensland to keep the competition alive. Uh, a lot of people are making sacrifices for this. So if you do fall out of contention, uh, you never know who's watching because contracts don't mean as much as what they used to. You can get out of a contract quite easily as a player and the club can get out of a contract quite easily you know, being a club if they want to move a player on. So I think everyone, you, know, you may see the, the football increase 
the level increase the next couple of weeks because there'll be no distractions there. They'll be all together the whole time and you may see some, some upsets going forward. And the best teams to adapt will be? Strong cultures, as I said before. I think Melbourne's, it's Melbourne's to lose. Even I've said that all year. And they're, they're a team that'll be at their home base. Yeah, they, they just, no strangers. They know how to adapt on the run. They, anywhere, anytime, anyone, they'll play. And, you know, we don't know if Nathan Cleary's going to come back. They've played on the road. They know how to prepare. They know how to do same-day travel and all that kind of stuff. So I think uh, Melbourne are red-hot favourites to win it. you also got to consider the, the, the Penrith guys have spent a lot of time on the road already with Origin. It's going to take its toll after a while. However, they are a tight, tight-knit unit. And we saw during the bubble last year they were pretty close... Perhaps that spending time together on the Sunshine Coast will be what they need to take the next step. You can spend as much time as you like together. Their season rests on the number seven. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? It all depends on they can They can live together in one room if they want. <laughs> unless the number well, I don't seven, think they can. Unless the number seven comes back uh, the way that he went uh, before he was injured, they ain't winning. OK, there are some reports today, Michael, that the Rugby League World Cup in the UK later this year will be cancelled. Is this the final challenge that will mean that it's called off? Well, already the situation prior to this relocation that they're going through at the moment was the fact that the players, already the New Zealand players anyway, would have to go there and then come back. They've been away from home for two years. It's a huge ask. Also, the rest of the, the players in the NRL would go overseas, come back in December, have time off. Now, arguing that if you were doing a 14-day quarantine in a hotel, that shouldn't count as your two weeks holidays. So you wouldn't have pl- players coming back into training until the end of February, potentially two weeks before the season starts. It was almost impossible. Now you add on top of that the fact that they're going to be gone, some players, for three months. It looks like it's all but over the World but Cup. Do we need year. the World Cup this year? We need the World Cup. Does it have to be this year is the Not question? Not this year, no. that's what I'm well, saying. But do we need it this 15 year? 15 like 16 countries have agreed to play. Here's We've pushed the Olympics back. I'm pretty sure we can push the World Cup back again. I don't doubt it. But 15 of the 16 have agreed to play. I'm pretty sure the ARL will put their, uh, their thoughts to the IRL, to the International Rugby League in the coming days and be unlikely we see it played this year. All right, the NRL has been affected, the, and Rugby League World Cup is said to be affected. The NRLW is said to kick off in five weeks, Sowie, if it can't, given the players can't be in a bubble. What about the idea of putting it at the end of the season after the men's competition finishes? Yeah, 100%. Love that idea. Whoever came up with that idea, I think it was our producer, uh, Chad, said, let's play it at the end of the year. Why not? Every year. Just have, if you want the competition and the, the motto is hashtag our way, have it at the end of the year. Have your own coverage. Have your chance. I know it extends the NRL season and a lot of media people, you know, it's a long season already. But if you want to do it, have a lot of the, the AFLW, you know, in your own time slot, have your own grand final at North Sydney Over or at Sunshine Coast. We've seen the success that the Origin Games have had there. So I think it's a great idea. Right. And it, it gives them a chance to actually prepare their bodies rather than rushing through. Have a, have a chance now to go into to camp if you need be or still continue to train and then go into a, a two-week bubble before the season starts. All right, for all those fans wanting to know how Round 18 will unfold, the only thing that will change for this weekend's fixtures is where the matches will be played. So Thursday through Sunday, they will be played as is. We're still trying to work out where the games will be played, though. Uh, rounds 19 to 21, Michael, the next couple of days, we'll find out exactly where they are. What, yeah, an actual draw change? No, there won't be team change. You won't be playing different teams. Teams. Might be different Very days. unlikely different the days, days will change. Yeah. However, they need to look into that. There's things, you know, there's different situations you have to consider. It won't affect it this week, but the Wallabies are playing France at Suncorp on Sunday on Saturday night, so you can't play games at Suncorp on Saturday. So you just need to... There's a lot to go into the, the draw when they work out over the next few weeks. All right, and thanks to all the players, staff and match officials who will be uh, relocating to South East Queensland. Without you guys uh, giving it the thumbs up, the game wouldn't continue.
Now, State of Origin has also been affected by Sydney's outbreak of COVID-19. Uh, first, Origin 3 was scheduled to be played at Stadium Australia. Then it was moved to Newcastle. Then on Saturday night, it was moved to the Gold Coast. Now, that was heartbreaking news for so many Novacastrians, including Blues legend, rugby league immortal, Channel 9 commentator, Andrew Johns, who joins us now. Uh, Joey, uh, thanks so much for joining us mm. on Inside the NRL. Uh, that news, uh, when you heard about it on Saturday night, no doubt you were heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, I was, well, I wasn't heartbroken. I was disappointed, really disappointed. But you got to put it in perspective with people, small business people have lost everything. So uh, it's a game of footy. It would have been great to have it at Newcastle. But, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. But strange times we live in. Joey, Wednesday night, Mitchell Moses makes his origin debut. Now, but I want to ask you, when you took the job with Brad Arthur at the Parramatta Eels, what, you, what were your thoughts on Mitchell Moses and how has that changed having worked with him over the last year and a half? Uh, well, I knew he had a lot of talent. Um, I thought physically you need to probably work on his body, which he's done. Um, but it's all about getting all the skill that he's got and bringing it all together. Um, you know, it seems sometimes his kicking game would be great. Then some weeks his defence would be good. And then the next week his running game. But there was games where he didn't bring it all together every week. So that's been an area of trying to work on. Also his, uh, his mindset that when things don't go right for him, he doesn't fizz up and, and get go a little bit uh, stir-crazy. But it was all there for Mitchell. It's just all about bringing it back in and then... You know, the attention to detail, the real fundamentals of, of the game, you know, continually to go over them. Joey, you spoke about those things with Mitchell Moses. Now he has to do all that in the Origin Arena and look after Jack Whiten, who hasn't been in great form in the number six role. How does he take care of that on Wednesday night? Look, I think in a way, it's, it's going to sound weird. I, I think you'll find Wednesday night easier than playing club level, purely because of the, the players around him and of... of because of the, the superior forward pack for New South Wales. Uh, look, his job on the right side, he'll play on the right side, is to get his kicking game off, organise, you know, his edge and, and his edge forwards. And big big thing for Mitchell is he's played a lot of footy with James Tedesco. So they know each other's game. Uh, I think when he combines with Jack Whiten, I think you'd be saying to Jack Whiten, Especially in good ball, you just take him on, mate. You just leave, use that running game and that big left foot step, and then he'll play off that. And I think Jack's um, Jack's advice would be: if Latrell wants the ball, give it to him early. But if there's space there, mate, just use that left foot and you know try to get one on one with Cherry Evans as much as possible, and and use that great strength and footwork you got. That was my next question with Jack White. And how do they use the centres now? Because they've been so instrumental, those big two centres in Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic. How do you see the, the style for the Blues changing on Wednesday night? Um, well, I think they'll get the ball more off long shifts, especially on Latrell's side. Uh, I think uh, Mitchell will play to the right and then open the field up to Latrell. Uh, Turbo, once again, will have that licence to roam. He'll, he'll get in around the play of the ball and even get over on the left side with Luttrell. Um, but I'd like to see him get the ball a lot more on broken field at offloads and that sort of stuff. Uh, but they can play in all they want Queensland, but this is the most devastating outside backs the Blues have ever had. They have strike. Uh, they complement each other. Ta'o just runs so hard. 
and makes all the hard yards and then you've got freaks like Turbo and, and Latrell, and then you've got probably one of the best finish, well, the best finisher in the game at, at O'Car. So there's just so much strike there. So it's up, up to the halves to get them, get them the ball in the right situations. Joey, you were part of the Blues' last whitewash back in the year 2000. If the Blues pull it off this year, they'll have to do it by winning three games on enemy territory. If they do, will they automatically be considered the greatest Blues team ever? Um, look, I don't think so. Look, I think that the team of the early 90s, 92, 93, 94, which when they won those series and they had Laurie Daly, a lot of those Canberra guys, Daly, Stewart, Mullins, uh, Bradley Clyde, Lazarus, all those. I, I think that was probably, in my opinion, the best team. Uh, if this team stays together and hopefully wins two, three, four series, then we can say then. But uh, I think they got a little bit way to go. But I, I think that early 90s team, for me, was probably the best team. Joey, what have you made of DCE and Cameron Munster's series so far? They've been pretty quiet. You're looking for them to well, have a big game and a big impact if they are to cause an upset. Yeah, they've been poor, I thought. But on the back of a Queensland four-pack, which has just been totally smashed in both games, led by Daniel Safidi in the first two games was just sensational. And then on the back of him, you've got Junior Paulo and Payne Haas. It's like good luck controlling those three to go for it. Um, so on the back of that, they've really struggled to, to get any time. But the great ones, Wally Lewis, Langer, these players, they find a way. You know, they can be, especially Wally Lewis, you know, he, his forwards can be getting spat, smashed, but he just, he s still holds the key to the result and just imposes himself on the game. At the moment, Cherry Evans isn't doing that. Munster's not doing it. So... It's up to them too about trying to lift and drive their team to victory. Joey, your Channel 9 stablemate Paul Vorton, he uh, threw a hospital pass to Billy Slater over the weekend. He revealed on ABC that, that Billy was approached to, to coach Queensland and then a month later they asked him to come in for an interview and he uh, didn't take too kindly to that. I, I just want your thoughts on Billy Slater. You've known him quite well, you've watched him over the years. Is he ready to coach an Origin team? I don't think so. Not yet. I think he needs a little bit more time. Look, tactically, there's probably no smarter fullback who's played the game. Well, Billy's changed the way fullbacks play with how great he was. Um, but I just think it's a big ask for Billy to bring it all together. He hasn't had really any experience as a coach. And look, tactically, it's all fine. But the, the, the key is at origin, it's that man management, bringing superstar players in to create a superstar team. And... I just think it's a big ask for Billy. I don't think he needs that pressure. So close to when he's retired. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think... Give it a couple of years, two, three, four years, and then have a, have a go then. Joe, the, the, the talk about you know, bringing Billy and JT and Cam together, is, is that realistic in a setup to have dominant voices, or do you need a recognised coach for the Queenslanders going forward? No, I don't think... Oh, look, in the future, I think those three would work sensationally together but it's just a big ask they've only been retired for a year or two and they've they've had no real experience about pulling a team together as i said of superstar players with different sort of egos and different um you know mannerisms and personalities bringing that together is a real challenge and i think you need experience at it 
that's why wine won last year. I, you know, if you look at the terms on paper last year, you gave Queensland no chance, but wine brought them together. Joey, where are the Blues vulnerable on Wednesday night, stopping them from getting the clean sweep? Um, I just think it's the mentality of New South Wales if they go in a little bit underdone. And, um, I just can't see really any weaknesses in their team. I just think it just comes down to mentally how they prepare. If they're prepared, um, then I can't see Queensland beating them. I know it's in Queensland, but... Uh, Sea Bus Stadium there at the Gold Coast, it's a rock-hard surface. It's, it's a fast surface. So if we get a, an even share of possession, you know, 50% or even a little bit more, they just can't hold us. Joey, thanks so much for joining us on Inside the NRL. Stay safe. As you said, it's a crazy world we live in at the moment. And uh, in your sake, I guess, go the Blues on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's feed time in the Johns. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> you better get to it. We'll leave Good you to it. Thank you. And of course, you can uh, catch Joey and the Nine Gang uh, live and exclusive for State of Origin Game 3 on Channel 9 on Wednesday night. I never get sick and tired of that, talking to the greats of the game. Billy Slater, Andrew Johns, you know, we've had the Pearl. That's, I love that stuff. I get nervous. It's talking to them. You get nervous, imagine. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it, it, as the older I've gotten, I know I've played. I mean, I never got to play against Joey, but. Yeah, talking to JT and these guys, it's yeah, it's still pretty nerve-wracking. All right, it's time to talk all things Queensland ahead of uh, Game 3 again. Another disrupted preparation. Uh, the Queensland culture has been questioned given Jai Arrow's decision to bring an unregistered guest back to the team hotel after not fielding questions about that on Friday. Their coach fronted the media today. You know, when people criticise your culture, yeah, that, that does hurt because, um, as JT said, you know, it's, the culture's been set for 40 years. It's not just the last two games since I've been head coach. Um, you know, we've got experienced staff. We've got three guys who've played 30-plus games, staff that have been involved for six or seven years. So, um, you know, that hurts. And, but, you know, when we, when we get results that we've gotten so far, you, you leave yourself open to be questioned in those areas. Now, in the past, Sowie, the Maroons have had the ability to silence the critics and silence the doubters, but do they have the might to do it on Wednesday night? No. No. They, I, I look at the post-match conferences after with Dalichir Evans and Paul Green. They've missed something in their preparation this year because they just don't even look like they're on the same page. You watch their attack, it looks disorganised. They, they don't look like they've played together or, or know what each other's done throughout the week in training. And, you know, I listened to that press conference there and, and I don't, this is nothing personal against Paul Green. I don't even know him, but would Jai Arrow have done that last year under Wayne Bennett? Like, the, the, the culture problem has changed. You can have as many experienced guys as you like, but at the head of the snake, if he hasn't set the standard, that's how they've played. They've played pretty much like that little snippet that we just heard there. Not really sure about what they're doing. They go out there and sure, they, they tried hard for 10 minutes in game two, but they got blown off the park after that. But Zach, you asked about silencing the critics. That's what they've done. Like they, Not only have they not silenced the critics, they've fueled the fire by the way they've handled... It's, like, it's been embarrassing the way they've handled the series. They brought Caelan Ponger into game one when he was no chance of playing. And Newcastle, I think, relayed that to them. That he wasn't a chance of playing. We had the Ronaldo Mulatalo drama, which... They can blame whoever they want, but at the end of the day, they should have done their homework on him and he should not have been able to play throughout that period, the 18s and 20s. Then you had the Jai Arrow situation, and then you got the fact they played terribly in game one and two. It's, it's just been an a absolute debacle since they came into camp in game one. 
And whether you say it's cultural or not, it's probably not. It's not a cultural thing. They've been together probably 14 days in total, and they're coming from all different clubs. But the way it's been handled, but it's never going to be. It's never going to be a culture thing. This is a preparation. Exactly, it's a preparation. Six thing. weeks, right? You build. You've got to build your own culture as a head coach for six weeks. All right. Now everyone's look at New South Wales, and again, I've been lucky enough to play under Wayne Bennett. State of origin is a mindset for six weeks. Your culture is set by your head coach. Your standards are set by your head coach. When you come into camp, now the Queensland have had some of the best players that we've ever had. And for a long time, they'd roll into camp, hey Cam, hey Billy, how you going? Cool, let's get a coffee and talk about how we're going to beat the Blues. They don't have that luxury anymore. They look like they haven't prepared for the series. But do, you, do you feel sometimes when you have a coach like Wayne Bennett, like it, it, unfair as it is on Paul Green, it's like, like they'll fly in first class and all of, a sudden, all of a sudden have to fly economy and they're not happy about it. It doesn't seem like they're... On the players? Yeah, the players. Like, if you have that experience under Wayne, is it hard to... Don't you follow your leaders in that we'll situation? The, well, well Sarah, if you said that this wouldn't happen under Wayne Bennett, you don't think the Gyro situation or these no things would chance. happen under Wayne Bennett, what does that say about their respect for Paul Green? Well, actions speak louder than words. That's just right there. I mean, you look at the list that Chamis came up with in terms of what's happened for him this series. Not only Cameron Munster and Harry Grant didn't play footy that first yeah, month going into the first game. So, yeah, I just think that they maybe they don't respect Paul Green as a coach. Maybe there's, yeah, they're not happy that... I mean, last year you had Wayne Bennett, you win the unwinnable series, and then ha you have no momentum this year, and you talk about we, we missed the jump and we're not prepared. Like, that, that should have been the pinnacle of some of those guys' careers, bouncing into this year, we can do it again, boys. Let's silence them again. Like Chama said, they haven't silenced anyone. Well, the Queensland team, when they dominated were far better than New South Wales on paper, but New South Wales never gave up. They yeah, but you shouldn't have game. to get the game three to name your best side of the series. This is their best side of the series. Oh, the situation's led to that. I, I, I defend them a little bit. There's, there's been injuries throughout, obviously, with Harry Grant being injured. They, they have had a difficult time of it, but they've compounded it by their decision-making and, and the preparation they've I'll had. I'll say this lastly. Did they go into the series with the seven and six for Australia? Yeah. Into the series. They did. Right. Are they the 7 and 6 for Australia right We didn't now? play last year. They wouldn't have been the 7 and 6 for Australia last year. I'm just saying, did they go in this year? Yeah. With Munster and Cherry they Evans? Are they playing like that? No. All right. Just a quick one to finish it off, Michael. Does Paul Green's future hang on the result or the way the Maroons play on Wednesday night? Uh, I, I think Thurston's it's the result. Coming. They need to pull off a, a miracle win for him to have any chance of... I know he's got a contract, but anyone north of the border watching right now would be would agree that it's been embarrassing the way they've played. So Stop sitting on the fence. They have to win to save his job. OK, all Thank right. You, and uh, in some news this afternoon, <laughs> uh, this afternoon, Cohen Hess has been called into the Maroons squad uh, to be part of their extended squad uh, for Game 3. All right, it's time now for this week's Casualty Award brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Now, this might be the best casualty ward of the year. Injuries were thankfully kept to a minimum in round 17. The Raiders lost to Namus Louie early in their win over the Seagulls, with Ricky Stewart suggesting he could miss a fortnight with a calf issue. On the opposite side, the Seagulls lost Toff Sipley late with an apparent shoulder issue. In better news for Des Hasler, Jake Trebojevic and Josh Schuster may be fit for their clash with the Dragons this week. The Eels could be boosted by the return of hooker Reid Marnie. And the Knights may have a couple of big guns back for their trip to Melbourne with Daniel Saifidi a chance to return from a rib injury and Tyson Frizzell from ankle surgery. Adam O'Brien could also have Bradman Best back from his own ankle issue in the next fortnight. All right, it's now time for Hit or Miss. 
Now, there was a staggering response to this across social media. I could not believe how many people were hammering this bloke. Anyway, it was his final play, Sam Walker, against the Bulldogs. He was smart, not arrogant, for running away from a determined Bulldogs outfit in the final stages of that match, Sowie. Hit. Loved it. Love cats that are different and do it different ways. Uh, yep, sure, it's going to annoy a lot of people, but if you don't like it, the Bulldogs has 79 minutes throughout that game to get a different result and you know it was really smart play sure it's going to annoy some people because that's not what they grew up watching but yeah I loved it I think you're judged on wins or losses in this business and if that what it did to secure the game look at Luke Keary there Boyd Cordner he's an old forward he probably doesn't like it but uh, I loved it I'm with Sowie, hit for me. I, I, look, I don't mind it. I think I, when I saw it, I didn't watch the game live. I was busy. I watched the replay and I saw that and I started laughing out loud. I thought it was funny. A cheeky halfback, a young kid, a bit of personality. Don't mind. I'll say this, though. It's, the Roosters are the alpha male of rugby league. That's, it wasn't an alpha male move. It was, you'd expect that from someone from Canterbury, holding on to a win. Like They were playing the Bulldogs. They were playing the Bulldogs. That's just no disrespect to Canterbury, but for do the Roosters to do for that. you a better team? No. No, but points. I'm just, you, you know what I mean. I'm so sure hit or miss? It's not the Roosters. Hey, listen to what I said hit at the start. Right. It's, it just, I'm telling you now, it won't happen again, though. That's all I'm saying. I can guarantee you, Sam Walker will never do that again. Keep doing it, Sam. He might not do it again, but for anyone else watching that, Instead of taking those carries with 30 seconds to go with the game on the line, run it dead, you've got 30 seconds up your sleeve. And even when the ball goes dead, isn't it 30 second shot clock? Yeah, exactly. Me. Right. Dead. Kick it dead, whatever. All right, moving on. All three State of Origin games next year in 2022 should be played in New South Wales. Miss. If you're not going to give the New Zealand Warriors a, a full year over there back at home after what they've sacrificed, New South Wales can't have three games in Sydney. Well, as, as much as I'd like to, because I get to go to three games, but I don't think that, that they'd do that. Yeah, it's a miss for me. Like, we're on the verge of New South Wales winning three games in Queensland. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to bring them all to New South Wales next year? Well, maybe that's the, the people in their own. They need them here. <laughs> the NRL need a tight origin series, and they're playing three games in New South Wales. They get two next, next year, year anyway, don't they? Well, it depends if they go. I think they are locked in to go on the road next year, actually. I don't know if it's there was tw- Adelaide or Perth had been locked in. There's definitely plans to go on the road for at least one game. You can't play them all here with that team. No, nah, it can't happen. Okay, Alex Johnson has scored 13 tries in his past five matches. I bet the Bunnies are happy they didn't let him go at the end of last year. He's on track to become the first player in the NRL era to score 30 or more tries in a season. He has 128 from 160 games and he's just 26 years of age. With all that in mind, Alex Johnson will pass Ken Irvine's record of 212 tries to become the greatest try scorer in the game's history, Michael. I am going to say hit. And I'll tell you what, the MC Hammers fantasy team is killing it right now, thanks to Alex Johnson. Back-to-back captaining. Just a little shout-out to the Hammers there. But, yes, he will pass Ken Irvine by the time he finishes career. Uh, He'll at least finish second, but, yeah, I think he'll pass Ken Irvine. He needs 85, Sowie. Miss. Ooh. 26. Why why won't he? Um, Well, their team's going to go through a little bit of a change over the next couple of years. No Adam Reynolds, so maybe they'll have to change their attack, whether he gets the amount of freedom or not. Uh, He may go on and score 300 tries the way he's playing at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say miss just to be different. I can't keep agreeing with him. That's fair. So you I don't like him, so I, I can see that. Don't like you. Yeah, I like is. Alex Johnson. He's fantastic <laughs> to watch. 13 tries in five weeks. Simply sensational. Outstanding. Some bad defence, though. If the, rule changes, if the rules don't change, he could get close to 250. <laughs> he could. So what's that? Hold on. How many has he got? 128. So he'd have to score... 
Well, it's half, he's halfway through his career, potentially. He's Speed is the key. He Speed needs the key. to keep his... that ball. Yeah. All right, time for a champ or chump because things are getting out of hand here. And speaking of out of hand, we thought they were out of hand at Cogra yesterday afternoon when the Sharkies uh, took on the Warriors. Braden Hamlin Ueli. I was thinking to myself, did he just deck his teammate? And this then it awesome. turned into the greatest, arguably the greatest post-try celebration of all time. It's all part of Try July Sports Bet's uh, campaign and <laughs> it earned $10,000 for the Mossy Masoi Foundation. So John Hopawati tried to do it back in the early thousands. Matt Adamson came through, pushed him out of the way. So he did what uh, Hopper couldn't do all those years ago. So uh, the current tally, $115,000 for the Mossy Masoi Foundation. You're calling on a million. The players have got to get, get behind this. Yeah, and the players from the Sharks did well to let him execute the, uh, the post-try celebration. That's worth 50, though. That was very good. Right, we'll get on to our mate. He's got three weeks. He's got, he's got to go to the judiciary. Yeah, I was going to say, if he hit his head there, would he have been facing he time? He did hit him, just well, slightly. If he's on your own team, doesn't mean you escape sanction. He should have been. Oh, All right, please. a shout-out to <laughs> the uh, Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs who gave a shout-out of their own to all of the frontline health workers uh, for doing all they have in the fight against COVID-19. It was a great touch and we support their stance. Thank you so much to everyone uh, who's been on the front line doing everything they can. So that was a really good touch. Uh, now to the chump of the week. His name's Moses Suley. The phrase is eye on the ball, not head on the ball. Dunk. Well, this is what happens when you... Desi uh, would not be happy <laughs> with this, Sally. No. It leads to a try. What's doing? I think it's actually Ruben Garrick's fault. He needed to be more aggressive at the ball. What a season he's having. He might score... He's, he's going to break the point scoring record this year. You're a big Ruben Garrick fan, aren't you? Massive Ruben Garrick yeah, fan. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, and uh, I think we have one more, one more chump of the Do week. It? It's not you, Sowie. <laughs> Thank goodness. I keep... Michael Chamis, you have been absolutely killing it, I must say that. Sydney Morning Herald, Channel 9, stay across those two platforms for all of your rugby league news, as well as NRL.com. But... But... Yeah, here we go. Just before primetime news yesterday, I was watching the end of the footy, and I was like, oh, what's Michael up to today? <laughs> well, he's in the newsroom for Channel 9... And you're having a little bit of a trouble with your mask, firstly. Yeah. Then the mic. <laughs> You've knocked your mic off. It ends up sliding down to a, around your waist. Now, great breaking news. It didn't distract you, but uh, over the nose, moving forward. Yeah, Ben, when you talk as good as me, even the mask wants Seriously. to run away. Seriously. <laughs> Siri, look at your mic. You were uh, dishevelled. Awful. Having more on my face, we might uh, get a few more viewers onto this show. <laughs> uh, don't forget to tune into NRL teams tomorrow afternoon. Neve Owens is back alongside Brett Kamali and Robbie Farrah from 3.55pm. They'll have the latest team news as the teams drop at 4pm for round 18. Uh, thanks, gents. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jamie. Blues by 10. Okay, Wednesday, nice three nil. But they will be, <laughs> they will be aiming yeah, to take yeah. out uh, their first State of Origin clean sweep in 21 years in State of Origin three Wednesday night. They've been clinicals, clinical in games one and two. Here's the story of the series so far. Here's Trebovich. He gets 
the first try of the night. From the kickoff, we just we weren't in the contest. Mitchell's away again. It's a try for Mitchell. The way they played just to make you proud as a coach. Just a real great performance. Nathan Cleary away again. He's got Tedesco on his inside. He's away, Tedesco. And a flag oh. oh, Trebojevic. <laughs> Trebojevic. He has been in everything. Oh. Wow. We all just stayed together. We all just went after the challenge and just felt confident. It's finished with the Blues winning 50 points to six. Tonight's damage was pretty big, but it is only 1-0. So I know the scoreline reflects pretty poorly upon us, but we can turn the tide. But they've got a lot of momentum in their corner and we've got a lot of work to do. I'm quite aware that winning a game by 50 here in the first game doesn't mean anything. We haven't won at Suncorp for three years now, so that's the challenge. For any uh, short week preparation-wise, are you confident you guys have done enough? Yeah, we won't know till tomorrow night, but um, I'm, I'm happy with the week we had. Uh, certainly far less disruptions compared to the first one, so um, yeah, I'm happy with where we're at. He was all smiles as he arrived at Suncorp Stadium. Now Reese Walsh has officially been ruled out of game two. The 18-year-old fullback suffered a hamstring injury at the Maroons' final training session, crushing his childhood dream. Another Origin rookie, Ronaldo Molotalo, will debut on the wing. I want to get your thoughts on what's happened with Molotalo. It's, it's pretty heartbreaking for him. I feel very sorry for Ronaldo. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened just before the game. We received an inquiry questioning the eligibility of Ronaldo. We investigated it and we sought uh, information from the Queensland Rugby League to provide evidence that he does qualify. They couldn't provide that evidence, so they withdrew Ronaldo from tonight's match. One wants the shield, the other survival. Here's the kickoff. Origin 2 is underway. Oh, big hit! A really good chance for the Blues. Cleary away. Tedesco in, and Oka, here goes the Fox. Intercepted by Mitchell. Big moments, big players, superstars stand up. And Oka sprints, here comes Tommy again. His ninth origin try. So they claim the shield, an absolutely white hot New South Wales side. They're licking their lips at the opportunity for 3-0 and I think we've got to be motivated by the fact that this has all happened and we can stop the bleeding.